When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. all you heroes and champions, crows, pirates, and inquisitors. Welcome to the Dragon Age Lorecast. I'm Shelby. And I'm Austin. And we are so excited to bring you this podcast. Every episode, we'll be talking about a different topic in the Dragon Age universe. From the Maker to Lyrium to Aravels, we will cover it all. There will be spoilers. And always remember, swooping is bad. Hello and welcome to the Dragon Age Lorecast, where we talk about all things Dragon Age related and its lore. I am one of your hosts, Teacup or Austin. And I'm your other host, Shelby or Sheacup. And we are here to continue and talk about our season three, coming up on the end of season three. The spirits, magic, and demons, oh my I kind of can't believe we're almost done with this season. I know. For some reason in my brain, I guess because we had the character deep dive and the patron chat in between. It feels like a long time since we've talked about Mm. a spirit. Well, you also weren't with us on our patron episode, so that probably feels like longer. It does. Yeah. Well, you ready to get into it? Let's do it. So we're talking about three more spirits today, and these are our last three spirits that we're going to be covering. So we are covering, and these I think are kind of newer spirits-ish from Inquisition onward. So these are new-ish to the lore, not totally new since it's been almost 10 years since Inquisition came out, but, but... new compared to 2009 when origins came out so we're talking about curiosity knowledge and command spirits today what do you think austin what do you think about all that it's interesting because when it goes back and we talked about this i believe on our last episode where we talked about spirits but spirits to me like there are spirits that embody emotion but the spirits overall tend to embody more of ideals. And so I just think that's interesting that all of these are not necessarily emotions, but demons are almost exclusively emotions. That's true. Um, and we'll we'll definitely get into more of that at the end of the episode too. We'll have a, a little discussion yeah. time. All right. Is Bioware trying to tell us that emotions are bad? I, that's a question for Bioware, not me. (laughs) All right, well, let's get into it. Okay, so let's start with curiosity. All right. Technically, we do not meet a spirit of curiosity in any Dragon Age game. But we do, into Venture Nights, meet a curiosity spirit. And that is specifically in the Down Among the Dead Men chapter. We meet a character named Audric Fellhausen. And it's kind of ambiguous if he actually is a spirit, what's going on with him or not. But we think, people think, he could be a spirit of curiosity. So let me tell you a little bit about Audric, and then we can decide if we do think he's a spirit of curiosity or not. So Audric, when he was alive, was a city guardsman in Navarra City. And then he was attacked by Lord Penric Karn's possessed corpse. So he is attacked by a possessed corpse. So Audric is then asked by the Mortalitasi to help investigate why this possession occurred before the corpse was buried. So specifically the Mortalitasi are concerned with not necessarily why the corpse attacked Audric. They are concerned why 
the corpse was possessed before the burial rites happened. Mm. And as a reminder, for those of you who may not remember, Navarans believe, and they have a very different belief than pretty much the rest of Thetis in burying their dead, similar to the way we do in our world. The rest of Thetis, generally, they burn their dead. Now they 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 ba- they bury their dead because they have different beliefs about magic. They have their death mages, the mortalitasi, which we've already mentioned, and so they have this whole system of like last rites, essentially, that they give um, to like usher spirits in. And and I don't know, we don't know exactly what all goes on. Um, but that's the gist of what they do. And so the situation you have here is a corpse that's been possessed by a spirit before the last rites have occurred. So they're investigating and they ask, yeah, it is interesting. And they ask the person that the corpse murdered to help them, which is even more interesting, I think. Mm-hmm. So Audric and another character who is a mortalitasi mourn watcher named Myrna find out that Karn, who was the, the corpse, he died in a duel against Duke Janus Van Markham. Now, if you remember, the Van Markham family and the Pentagast family are like the two major noble families in Navarra, and they switch. They flip-flop thrones all the time. So, Audric and Myrna head to the Van Markham's tomb to learn more about this Duke Janus person. His tomb is in the Grand Necropolis, which is where there are hundreds, thousands, and maybe even hundreds of thousands of other buried corpses. On the way, they learn that Karn, who again, Karn is the one that killed Audric, is possessed by a pride demon. And so they're being forced by this pride demon down and down into the lower sections of the necropolis. So while they're on this this journey, this is when Audric realizes he's no longer living. He has died. He has succumbed to the wounds he received in that initial attack. So he is no longer human. And he feels as if he has turned into a spirit of some sort. He has he doesn't really know what's happening. He's very confused. So then throughout the rest of the chapter, Audric is pushing on and seeking out his killer and trying to figure out what happened to him and wondering why. Like, why did this happen to me? Why did you do this to me? And so essentially or eventually what happens, he challenges his killer to a duel. Um, And then throughout this, he kind of comes to the conclusion that he is a spirit of curiosity or that he has become a spirit of curiosity. So he's kind of seeking that balance between anger and curiosity when he does confront his killer. And so in doing so, he recognizes that his driving passion supposedly is that of curiosity, which means he is no longer unbalanced. So that's Audric's story. And this comes from To Venter Nights, the chapter Down Among the Dead Men, like I mentioned. So I want us to have a little bit of discussion where we kind of talk about what are your initial thoughts to this chapter? Do we think Audric is really a spirit of curiosity? If so, why? If not, why not? Etc. So we only really have one example or like precedent to really base this off of, which is Cole. Just similar kind of circumstances because, you know, Audric was a real person before this. He's in a he's in a duel of some sort and attacked and seemingly we're, we're not aware right away, but that he's killed, essentially. And then there's a spirit of something that comes about and reanimates his corpse. But not in the same way that, like, a demon would reanimate a corpse. Much more into how the spirit of compassion is inhabiting Cole's body 
and like Audrey has his memories just like Cole has his memories and it's really the only other instance and so I guess in this kind of instance it's Audric when he embraces his curiosity it's like he's choosing to be a spirit where like the same choice that Cole has to face in his own quest that's a really good thought um I honestly like hadn't even looked at it from that perspective because I was more focused on the issue of what kind of a spirit has he become I just kind Mm -hmm. of accepted the okay he died merged with the spirit thing i was like okay Mm. we're i've moved past right past that like didn't even give that a second thought so i'm sitting here thinking like is this really curiosity is is it not more of to me it's more of vengeance that he's going after his killer and challenging his killer to a duel and trying to get back some semblance of what his killer took from him or is it more of a regret? Because very much throughout the chapter, he's he feels like, oh, there's so many things I haven't done in my life that mm-hmm. I was really interested in. Like, why didn't I do this? And so he's kind of regretting the things he didn't do while he was living. So to me, I definitely see and understand that he's become a spirit. What I'm not sure about is if he's actually become a spirit of curiosity or if it's something mm-hmm. else. It's also an interesting thing because now with this, with Cole and this, it seems to be spirits when inhabiting humans or on the mortal plans outside of the faith get like one, what I consider one of the most precious and empowering powers that mortals or humans have, which is the power of choice. This spirit can choose Cole can choose to remain human or embrace more of the spirit side. Audric can choose to go one way to anger or curiosity, um, which doesn't like with our previous lore of spirits, you wouldn't think that spirits have a choice in what they become or what they be are. Cause I think choice implies some sense of creation. And we know that spirits, according to Chantry spirits can't create. And that's why the maker thinks they're bad or not bad, but, not worthy yeah right um i'm kind of wondering like if spirits have the ability to evolve um and i do feel like evolution is not necessarily something that you choose it's more of something that happens to you or something that is born out of necessity because of your circumstances so i wonder if spirits have that ability and so that's more of what we're seeing like wouldn't it be very interesting to see a spirit of grief that transitions through the different phases of grief Mm. one that transitions from anger to denial to i don't know what are the other phases there's three more uh, <laughs> five stages of grief it's um denial anger bargaining depression bargaining acceptance, acceptance. yeah i feel like that would be really interesting mm-hmm. but the big question i think for audric is i mean argue i can't argue with bioware for like doing whatever they want to do like this book is canon what i'm saying is not canon but i feel like curiosity is not an emotion or like a value Hmm. so to me it feels like a departure from the lore Hmm. i don't necessarily agree because i think that curiosity is at the heart of our existence like every single at least mammal, like, has a sense of curiosity. Like, does not our dog investigate every sound that she has out of curiosity? I mean, part of it is instinctual, like, protectiveness. Like, that's a weird sound. I need to know what it is so I can protect myself. But Mm -hmm. it's also like, what's that? What's that? What's that? Or even just us, when we have something in our hand, what's that? I've got to know. Our own sense of curiosity is a very primal and driving thing that we have. 
And to another thing, like curiosity can be a value, like curiosity, being curious about a person can communicate that you care about them. Sure. I hear all of that, Mm -hmm. but I don't, my question is, is curiosity an emotion? I would say, no, it's not. And all of the other, all of the other spirits we've met, most of the other spirits we've met, like valor, which I know that you're fixing to use as an argument against me. You can feel valorous. You can feel courageous in battle. You can feel that feeling of bravery and righteous bravery. I I would argue that that is a feeling. I felt it personally, Um, not necessarily in war or anything, but um, so I, I guess I just don't see curiosity as a feeling. Have you ever felt curious? No, never. <laughs> no, I just, I, like, I don't think that's an emotion. You know, do you get what I'm saying? Well, so is knowledge an emotion? I mean, that's part of this whole episode, is right? command an emotion? I, that Again, that's part of this episode. And the names that those spirits are given are direct from the spirit expert himself, Solus. Ben Harrell, the Dreadwolf, yeah, the Trickster. Okay. We don't have to talk about him right now. I'm just saying, I think that the definition of spirit needs to be broadened beyond just what is something you feel or have an emotion of. Mm-hmm. I guess I guess my argument is that curiosity is a feeling, but it's not an emotion. And I think the issue comes into play when the lore describes spirits as being both feelings and emotions. And they use that term as the same thing when it's not necessarily the same thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Um, So I looked it up. Curious is on the emotion wheel. Okay. I mean, I just personally disagree, So I'll accept it. I'll accept it. Here is what they do, because I do think this is interesting. Um, So it's obviously in the category of comfortable emotions on the wheel. And then, so there are like the overarching emotions that come there. So you have like loving, excited, interested, confident, accepted. And then you have all these subcategories of that. And so like um, under interested, curious is a sub emotion of like the interested category. Okay, I can see that. Right. And I guess that's the thing, like, I feel like if you can say, I feel this way, that qualifies it as an emotion. Because it's not just an emotion, something that we feel and experience. I suppose I suppose that's fair so we've established you can feel curiosity curiosity can be a spirit and it's not lore breaking Correct. is what I'm gaining okay Correct. I will admit to be wrong I can change my opinion <laughs> October 6th at 4 58 p.m Shelby said she was wrong shut up but yeah, I think that whether or not he is a cur- spirit of curiosity, I think is really like he chooses to be a spirit of curiosity at the end. Whether or not he was to begin with, he chooses to be because it, he recognizes his driving purpose. And the driving purpose is what defines the spirit. Yeah, that's so. a good point. Well, let's move <clears throat> on to knowledge a little bit. Um, yeah. And then we'll get into our mid-break after that. Okay. So knowledge slash learning. This is another one that I am not sure I would classify as a spirit personally. Maybe I'm just an emotions purist. I don't know. 
Um, so in Trespasser, we meet a character or really multiple characters named the Archivist, um, whom we meet in the Virdar Thara. And so this Archivist claims to be a spirit of knowledge that once knew everything. And the elven people referred to this spirit as Gildurthalin. This name might sound familiar to you because there is a well-known Dragon Age content creator who also uses this name. Shout out to Katie. If you don't follow her, you definitely should. She makes really awesome YouTube videos and they're very pretty. Yes. So back to the archivist. When Fenharel supposedly created the veil, the archivist basically marked the end of the world um, that the elven people knew or understood. And so the spirit itself was sundered, which means they're no longer whole, which the spirit then laments. And so the spirit says that it is unable to think with itself. And so the knowledge of every memory, every instance of everything that has ever happened is incomplete. The spirit also claims that it was inherently connected to many other spirits and many other people, which allowed them to read the memories and the records of each other. Throughout Trespasser, we go on to meet four instances of the archivist who shares more and more knowledge and memories along the way. The archivists also warn us of the librarians who were once spirits who watched over the Virdar Thara, but these spirits have been corrupted into demons of fear. So this is one major example, the archivists, um, of a potential spirit of knowledge. However, we do have another potential example, and that would be the Grand Oak, who is also known as the Elder Tree from Dragon Age Origins, also the known as poetry. The, the Poetry. That's exactly right. I love the poetry. So he's a large sapient tree, more commonly known as a sylvan, which is again, just a magic tree. You might also be familiar with the word ent from Lord of the Rings, all the same kind of thing. So the Grand Oak speaks in rhymes when spoken to and jokingly suggests that it may be due to fusing with the soul of a poet and is thus a poetry, like we said earlier. Is it possible because of this fusing that the grand oak is a spirit of learning or knowledge as well so for this one we have kind of two examples the grand oak and the archivist do you think those are both spirits of knowledge slash learning what do you think austin definitely the archivist and i could see the poetry as well i think it's really interesting the arc the i'm intrigued by the archivist story because like you could argue that like the creation of the veil is a sealing away of knowledge for the elven like they're no longer immortal they're not as strong with magic they are forgetting their history part of that is because to venture and genocide and erasure um but so there is this kind of locking away of knowledge. And that's a common theme among religious mythology across the world of this locking away of knowledge to explain how humans don't automatically know everything. Like if we're so intelligent and so smart, why are there problems we can't solve? Well, some religions say it's because there is this knowledge that has been locked away. And also to explain loss and mm -hmm. how they could have gone from someone, from a people that was great to a people who was struggling. Yes. Um, and so, and like, even in, you take a story in the Bible, like garden, the sin that they commit, the thing that kills them that God says will kill Adam and Eve is the knowledge of good and evil. And so again, you see this thing of knowledge being, either withheld or not fully incorporated in the human experience. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that this story of the archivist is less of like showing us a spirit of knowledge and more just kind of adding to that mythos and like drawing on a common mythos across the world of knowledge being locked away from a people. 
I'm going to sound like a broken record, but can you feel knowledge? Can you feel learning? No, no. I mean, I, I would argue that like when you're feeling knowledge or learning, you're actually feeling curiosity. Like if you're mm. feeling in a learning mode, you're feeling curiosity. So for me, I wouldn't distinguish something that between a curiosity and a knowledge and a spirit of knowledge. Um, I would distinguish between like a spirit. Oh, another one. Can you feel wisdom? I guess you can feel wise. I think you can. Yeah, absolutely. You can feel wise. Um, I guess you could also argue like a spirit of intelligence because you can feel intelligent. Eh, yeah. I think just spirit of knowledge sounds better and it sounds more ethereal. Heady. Yeah. I wonder if Bioware has an emotion wheel printed out and is in their offices. And there's writer room. Writer's Who room. knows? Patrick Weeks, come I, on. I our, would love to know. Come on our podcast. And I would, I would love to know, Corinne. I would yeah. love to know. <laughs> anyway, so do you have any other thoughts about the spirit of knowledge and or learning? I don't think so. Well, okay. Let us go to the mid-break then. All right. Enchantment. Enchantment. You need me. Ugh. I am yours as always. Well, welcome to the middle of the show where we talk about everything about the podcast that doesn't have to do with the lore of Dragon Age. We do not have a review or uh, Hero Hawker Herald to share today, but I would love to remind you to rate and review us on Spotify or Apple. Uh, if you leave us five star with some words, we will read it out on a future episode of the show. It's a great way to support the podcast. Another great way to support the podcast is to join our Patreon. Uh, you can join us at patreon.com slash Dragon Age Lorecast, or you can find the link in the episode description. Uh, you can come and join us various tiers from just getting early ad-free episodes all the way to coming up on the show with us once a month to talk about the patron topic, which about two weeks ago, we had our patron chat and it was a lot of fun. Um, so I would also like to take this time to thank all of our patrons, our great patrons that we greatly appreciate. I'm going to read some patron names. The first are our first patrons. And so that is Genesis, Lisa M and Derek B. Um, then I also want to give a special thank you out to Nug King, Lewis H, they are a Nug King patron, and so they get read out on every episode of the show in the mid-break and at the end of the show. And again, if you want to support us and join that great group of people, you can go to patreon.com. Another great way to hang out with us is to join the various discords that we are in. The first discord is the Cups Podcasting and More server. You can find that link in the episode um description and you can join us there we hang out with us talk about all of our podcasts come share pictures of your pets if you want news about the cups podcasting our cup pods whatever you want to call them um that is the place for them in that discord you will get the news first that's where we post everything first and that's where we have a lot of our discussions diving deeper into the lore so if we talk about something on the podcast and you're like i'm just burning to ask this question hop over into our discord you can ask it and we'll talk about it and you might even stump us happens to us all the time um and so other than that, I do want to highlight that we did launch a new podcast. It is called The Inheritance Cycle Page by Page. And The Inheritance Cycle, or Aragon Books, we are reading through them and having a book club kind of discussion chapter by chapter. And so you can head all over there and listen to that. You can actually find that that the first episode of that podcast as a bonus episode in this podcast so if you want to just go give that a listen that's great and thank you um i think that's all i have for the mid-break shall we unless you have something else well that was uh, orlesian dareth shiran oh, you fear barbarians will swoop down upon you yes swooping is 
So the last spirit we're going to talk about today before we get into our side character is the spirit of command. Now, this is a really interesting one, but this is also canon. Like this comes straight from a game similar to um, the knowledge learning spirit. So in Dragon Age Inquisition, when you go to Crestwood, there is a quest. When you go to old Crestwood, did I just say Questwood? anyway when you go to when you go to crestwood there is a quest in old crestwood where you can meet a spirit this spirit is red first of all and claims to be a spirit of command i when i first played this quest was very much like that's a demon but moving on the spirit refuses to return to the fade until someone destroys the rage demon that is located in the flooded caves this then opens up a quest named burdens of command if you accept the quest cassandra approves sarah disapproves classic and if you have cole with you and you select his special dialogue when talking to the spirit of command, the spirit refers to him as compassion. This is the first time that he's identified in this way. So this is a very short quest. It's a, it's a basic fetch quest and there's not a lot of lore behind it, but I wanted us to talk about, is this a spirit or a demon? Did you do this quest? Why not? Or why? Um, other thoughts that you have about the command spirit. We don't know a lot of information on it because it's such a short quest, but I personally, when I did this the first time, I was like, this feels like a demon. Like this doesn't feel like a spirit. It may not be inhospitable and violent to me right now, but it, it doesn't feel like a spirit. And that's probably mainly because it was red and basically yelling at me and telling me what to do, which I don't like any of that. So those are my thoughts. So I've got thoughts. Um, I did do this quest the first time playing through, and I just did it. Um, didn't really pay that much attention to it. But I think that I would argue that it is a spirit and not a demon. Because how many demons have we encountered that will say, yes, I'll back to the fade. You just need to do this thing. Um, that's fair. I mean, we do meet a lot of demons in the Fade, so those would be the only ones that I would even consider in the same realm. Right, but there's a lot of demons. Almost all the demons we meet in the Fade are seeking to get out of the Fade. Um, so I think that that's probably an indication that it's not a demon. I don't think this spirit escaped the Fade and came into Old Crestwood. Because remember, Old Crestwood is flooded. So it's been flooded for 10 years because it got flooded during the blight. And so this spirit, if it entered there, it either entered there when the breach happened down there and it just flooded into there, or it happened way back ago, back into Old Crestwood during the blight. And so I would argue that in all of this fighting, and all of the emotions, because there were probably people fighting down in Crestwood during the Blight, fighting the dark spawn when the mayor decides to flood Old Crestwood. There's a lot of emotion going there. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of panic. There's a lot of probably soldiers who are issuing commands. I would imagine with that much energy and the dark spawn present there, the veil would be extraordinarily weak. I would I would think that basically the issue of command and Probably a commander's first instinct is to try to get his soldiers out of there before they're flooded. That much instincts probably summoned forth this spirit of command. And then the water comes and they're trapped there for 10 years. Mm -hmm. I totally and 100% see that, um, especially with the veil being so weak in old Crestwood, like 100% see that. Um, but also as a counterpoint, when have we ever seen a spirit being so forceful and aggressive and basically like yelling at us, telling us what to do? I wouldn't say 
aggressive and like yelling us telling them what to do but the only comparable argument is when cole is begging solace to bind him but do you think begging and commanding is the same thing i don't no but i think that there's the, another like force there's that forcefulness in cole that we kind of get with that spirit like cole is like you have to bind me he does not let it go he does not relent until someone offers an alternative mm-hmm. and i think that that's that has to do with like the purpose the spirit of command is so unrelenting in its command and its purpose and to have the commands followed that it's unrelenting in that right same with cole he doesn't want to be bound because the spirit of compassion in him is like i cannot be used to hurt other people and again, doesn't relent until an alternative is presented. Mm-hmm. Again, I see that, um, completely see that. I just, I think this quest is very interesting. Um, and I, I think you can make the argument on both sides that like for command, at least like this does have the tendency to become a demon very easily. And at the same time, like, okay, no, this is not even close to a demon. So I, I definitely see both sides in this one. Um, but I wanted to, I wanted us to talk about this, even though it's such a small little side quest in a place that we skip over super easily um, because it does, it does impact the lore and it is, it is a spirit that we meet in the games. Right. So do you have other things to say about command? Yeah, just one little quick thing. I think that like, you know how we talk about justice and vengeance relationship. I think the difference between command as a spirit and its Mm -hmm. demon is the difference between command and control. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Because a good commander will issue a command to the people they're they're leading and then trust them to get it done. Whereas someone who's exerting control is going to control how they do it, when they do it, at what speed they do it, all of those things. And so I think that that's kind of the line. And I think that spirits like justice, like command, even like valor, like curiosity, are more in trouble of becoming demons because their counterpart, it's such a fine line between them. Whereas like love and hate, you could argue there's a fine line between love and hate, but they're more not like command and control yeah no i think that's really insightful and i i i completely 100 percent agree with that um but that leads me into my discussion question so i i have several um Mm -hmm. and we've kind of already talked about our knowledge and curiosity the same spirit why or why not i would say yes because to desire knowledge is what curiosity is. You mm-hmm. want that knowledge. And so I would say curiosity is probably a better name for the spirit based on the lore mm-hmm. of those spirits. I think I agree. I think I recant. I officially recant my previous statement that curiosity mm-hmm. is not an emotion. So then my next question was, do these spirits, like, can these really exist, you know, or do they really exist as emotions we've already kind of answered that so let's skip that one (laughs) um and then my next one is are these spirits especially command and knowledge are are these spirits lore breaking as they are both not emotions i think it's a it's a semantic issue here i think that it's just bioware issuing something that we can notice but like could a spirit of command also be a spirit of confidence could a spirit of command be a uh, spirit of resourcefulness? It's these fine lines that emotion words that are related to each other, not necessarily the same thing, but are like so close to each other. That's kind of like desire and envy. Like, are they really separate demons in, in, des- in like, when you really think about it, like in the complexity, like you can feel desire without it becoming envy. But envy is always desire. That's a great question. And we um, tackled a little bit of that on our last Patreon episode. So if you want more of a conversation about that question, definitely go check out that episode. Um, I, I, I tend to agree with you. I think that I don't think that it's lore breaking 
for knowledge to be a spirit because of what you've said about how curiosity is what you feel when you're searching for knowledge. I, I would say that command is a little lore breaking um, because I don't think that's an emotion. And even if you say, oh, it's confidence or it's resourcefulness or um, whatever else, to me, like resourcefulness is also not an emotion. Confidence absolutely is. But just because you're confident doesn't mean you're bossing people around and commanding mm-hmm. people all the time. Like there's a lot more to confidence than just that. There are a lot of emotions or things you can feel that make up command. Uh-huh. But you but can't like, just feel command. No, you can feel yeah. commanded. Or commanding. Uh, could you feel commanding? I don't know. Like I feel, I feel very commanding right now. Again, like I feel like we're just arguing <laughs> semantics here. <laughs> I uh, agree. I agree. We are. I don't really know. Yeah, I don't think we necessarily are going to come to a conclusion, and I don't necessarily think there's a black or white answer to this question either. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of what you think about it. So, my last question before we get into our side character is, what do we think about Inquisition? Dragon Age Inquisition's foray into more of these non-emotion spirits. Do you think that they're just kind of, that Bioware is just kind of testing the waters to see if that's something we want more of? Is this a precursor to DAD or is it just them trying to be creative? I think that it's just a more, I talk about all the time. I'm going to talk about the other podcast for a minute. I talk about Assassin's Creed all the time, how I think that Assassin's Creed Odyssey and Assassin's Creed Valhalla are not about the assassins. They're about the Isu. And I think that this in a similar way is Bioware's attempt again to shift kind of the focus of the game of like exploring another aspect of the game, because every game in both Origins, Awakening and 2 we get a lot about demons. We get a lot about how demons are made, what demons are, interacting with demons, having conversations with demons, facing arch demons that are the hardest fight that they want make you want to throw your controller into the TV screen. Um, but we don't get a lot of spirits. Like we get a little bit of justice, but could you argue, and we'll talk about this in our Anders episode, when we meet justice, is he really justice? that's an argument to be made. And so I think this is Bioware's attempt to kind of expand spirits and expand our knowledge and experience of spirits. I think for a little bit that Bioware, kind of like how George Lucas forgot that, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi doesn't meet, doesn't recognize R2 in A New Hope and then puts him into the prequel movies. Like, I think it's just like a little thing like that, that Bioware's not necessarily forgetting, but trying to shift the focus that, oh, all spirits are emotions and kind of shifting to this expansive spirits are ideals. Mm-hmm. I I see that. Um, I definitely see that. And I do think it's kind of like a fun quirk at this point um, because it's not like I can argue and say like, oh, command isn't actually a spirit because in the game they have clearly portrayed command as a spirit, you know? Um, So yeah, I I don't necessarily disagree with you. And I think it's okay to expand the lore. I definitely think that that's um, something good because how can you keep making games, you know, if, if you don't expand and change things, right? Well, let's switch gears and head into our side character then. Yeah, let's do it. So today's side character is a character called the Horned Knight. But on the Dragon Age wiki page for spirits, the Horned Knight is listed as a possible spirit. Um, And so I was like, okay, I have to do research. What is this? So the Horned Knight evidently is a character from Dragon Age, The Last Court. I also had never heard of this. And that's because I was newer to the fandom during during COVID. But the Horned Knight comes from The Last Court, which was a text-based browser game that came out in 2014 in between DA2 and before DAI. It is kind of an interlude between the stories of two and Inquisition, and you play as the Marquise of Seralt. 
So the Horned Knight, like I said, is a character in this game, and he considers himself to be the Lord of the Forest. He rules over a group of strange and mysteriously magic-influenced people. The group styles itself as like a forest, woodland, nymph version of an Orlesian court. Hmm. So he also considers himself, the Horned Knight considers himself to be equal to the Marquise and the Marquise is Lord of the road and field while the horned knight is Lord of the forest. So he sees himself as equal to the Marquise of Seralt. The Marquise of Seralt does not agree with that statement, uh, but that's, that's kind of where his, his head is. We learn throughout the game that the horned knight is actually a spirit from the fade who was conjured and bound by the former Marquise. The former Marquise is the great grandfather of the current Marquise and is often referred to as the shame of Seralt due to his status as an apostate mage and later an abomination. Hmm. So after the horned knight was summoned, the shame basically let him do whatever he wanted, which is how he ended up in this woodland area and found himself ruling over a forest full of creatures, imitating Orlesian high society and referring to himself as the Lord of the forest. So the Wikipedia page argues that the horned knight could potentially be a spirit of perseverance. Can you feel perseverance? We're not getting into this again, okay? <laughs> We're just not doing it. Oh, it's not perseverance. It's purpose. I'm sorry. Oh, I guess you can feel purposeful. So the Horned Knight is potentially, as the Wikipedia page argues, a spirit of purpose. And so they kind of argue that um, the Horned Knight also argues that his creation was an attempt by the shame of Seralt to like ease his own conscience, which basically strengthened the horned knight's resolve to exist so that he's very purposeful. Um, and so that's kind of the argument behind him as a spirit in general. And I think that the horned knight is a really great example of the idea that Spirits are neither wholly good nor wholly evil. Solus argues that, that the classification is benevolent and malevolent spirits are not necessarily like, it's not necessarily an equal, it's like, it's not a binary split like that. Um, but in the last court, the Horned Knight definitely does things that are both good and bad. So he kidnaps two siblings from the Seralt Tower and imprisons them using magic. That's obviously evil. But at the same time, he also argues for justice from the Marquise as a poacher injured his quote unquote dear son, D-E-E-R son. So he does good and bad things, things that are bene um, things that are benevolent and things that are malevolent at the same time so i think this is a really interesting character i definitely see the argument that because the shame of seralt summoned him to ease his own conscience that kind of allowed the horned knight to have more of that resolve in his personality mm. i very much see that argument um, but this feels tangential to me the horn or the the last court is no longer like accessible really it was taken off the web and there's not there's not a full copy of it anywhere so i don't know how canon it is right well and it's also interesting because i believe there is a war table operation regarding seralt and the seralt glass infused glass um so i'm curious i'd have to go look at those texts again to see if they mention anything because if the war table, if the war table mission mentions anything about this, then I would say yes, it is canon still. Right, and I don't know either. I didn't look that up. I didn't right. know that it was related, but yeah. Well, I just know that Seralt is mentioned, and there's a crafting material. I believe it's a two tier two or tier three metal Seralt glass. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I think it's an interesting story. And I think, I definitely think it's very much a spirit of like the spirit in the forest. And now I want to see is like the lady in the forest. Is she a spirit of purpose? Right. I mean, I, I honestly, on, on that episode, when we talked about the lady of the forest, you argued that she could be, or maybe it was Allison. Someone argued that the lady of the forest could be a spirit of nature. And for me, I think that that is more and more of a possibility. Mm -hmm. I think that she fits in that category. I think the horned knight fits in that category. I'm sure there are others, maybe even the poetry fits in that category. Um, And so I feel like that's, that's a potential, even though that's not a feeling we've established that um, if that's, if, if they do want to expand spirits outside of being attached to specific feelings, I think nature is a really good path for them to do that with because it's it's so varied. Definitely. Definitely interesting. Small, what a like left field, a left field reference. What do you mean? I feel like we might be able to count the people we know who played this uh, text-based browser game on one hand. Oh no, I think there's probably more than you think. Maybe. I did not play it. I didn't even know about it, so. All right. You got anything else? That's all I got. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast. We will see you next week. And a special shout out to our Nung King patron, Louis H., who gets a special shout out at the end of every episode. Thank you so much for your support. Thanks for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast. As always, you can find us on Twitter at DA Lorecast. If you have any lore questions, topics to unpack, or side character suggestions, email them to us at dalorecast at gmail.com. The Dragon Age Lorecast is a part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club. You can join the Robots Radio Network Discord by clicking the link in our episode description. If you enjoyed our show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe and give us a review. See you next time. How well do you know your video game lovers? Have you ever wondered how your video game bays stack up against all the other delectable digital dates? I'm Genesis, the girl whose motto in life is love, laugh, tequila. And on Two Girls, One Ship, we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. And I'm Vervada, the hopeless romantic cat lady and lifelong gamer. But you should know that our podcast centers on character and romance analysis and doesn't shy away from exploring the fun of physical connection. Or from the deep emotional connections built between two characters, using specific in-game dialogue and the overall narrative journey. So join the two girls, one ship, shipsters, and remember... Beauty is in the eye of the controller.